pay from heaven's perspective. Heaven is watching how you handle something as insignificant as earthly wealth to reveal how much you can be trusted with the true riches of heaven, which is people. Well, g'day and welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, I want to talk about hiring employees for small business. You know, I think it's probably one of the greatest challenges that every single one of us is facing right now. The world over, there is a real shortage of talent. There are more jobs available than there are people looking for jobs. And so, you know, it means that we have to kind of really sharpen what we're offering and bring our A game to the recruitment process. Uh, And so I just kind of want to talk into that a little bit so that you can not only attract uh, the best talent, but also keep them. Right? There's no point in being able to you know, get the best people to start with you, but they all jump ship for whatever reason right? as soon as they start. So I kind of want to talk about how to attract them and how to keep them ultimately so that you end up with your A-team would be the goal. But I kind of want to look at it through kingdom lenses. And so some of this might be a little bit different to how you've thought in the past. And that would certainly be my goal is to get you to think a little bit differently then you have the chance of achieving different results. All right, there's a a really good section of Luke that I find amazing, right? And it's Luke 16, 11. But just before it, it's kind of drawing, it's Jesus talking about all these things around what's important in the world. And it's drawing distinctions between earthly things and heavenly things, Uh, money, people, how do we conduct ourselves between those two things? And he, so here's what it says, right? Luke 16, 11 says this. Uh, Therefore, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And then when you read the bit before it and the bit after, we can distill that true riches is actually people. And so here we are, we're going to do a session talking about how to you know, attract and retain good quality people to help you grow your business. But actually, actually, there's a prerequisite, right? For if, if God's ever going to trust you with his true riches, which is people, he wants to know how you handle this thing called money first. And this is not going to be a session on money. I'm just dropping it in there as kind of like the precursor to say, hey, from heaven's perspective, Heaven is watching how you handle something as insignificant as earthly wealth to reveal how much you can be trusted with the true riches of heaven, which is people, right? So if you're not handling, basically what we can distill here is if you're not handling wealth incredibly well, then, then God's not going to bless you with his most prized possession, which is his children, which is people, all right? So straight off the bat, it's really, really, really important that we value our team as much as Jesus does, which is his true riches. Okay, so if it's if it's Jesus's true riches, then then we probably need to start to see our team through those lenses as well. You know, a great business is all about people. You know, that's that's team, that's customers, that's suppliers, right? You know, and and in in fact, I, I studied economics at high school, right? They give you that kind of like early learnings around economics, and the I remember the first lesson was supply and demand. And that was basically the the cornerstone of economics was supply and demand. I now know that that's not true at all. Like from a heaven's perspective, the cornerstone is people. 
before you ever get to products and services, right, or audiences or markets or cash flow, it's got to start with people. Um, and I think because because the world teaches that economics starts with supply and demand, then that you know that just ushers in a whole bunch of corruption. Whereas if it started with people and the value of people, then it flew onto product, services, cash flow, supply and demand. We'd be in a whole different world today. But that's what I learned. I also know this. I know the best teams build the best businesses, not the best entrepreneurs. Actually, right now it, it has to start with an entrepreneur, but they're one person. Which if you're building a great business is going to end up having tens, hundreds, thousands of team members to be able to carry it off. It's the team that actually build great businesses. You know, if you look at any of the biggest businesses in the world today, whether it's Apple, whether it's Google, whether it's the Virgin Group, like whatever you look at as a, as a business that you uphold, the founder didn't build all of that. The founder set the culture, set the vision, probably worked incredibly hard for the first 15, 20, whatever. But the, it was actually the team. Once they started to attract good quality people and they stuck around, the team went and built the great business, okay? Which is how it's meant to be, right? That's the reason why you go through this journey of employing team and going through this. So, so we're going to look at it from kind of heaven's perspective, 30,000 foot view, and then I'm going to get right down in some real brass tacks because I want this to be as practical for you as it possibly can. I believe that when it comes to attracting and retaining the best talent, culture is the variable. The, the company culture that people join is the variable to attracting talent, meaning that if the culture is not great, then you won't attract or keep good people. And even if the culture is mediocre, but it's not intentionally built, then you won't attract and keep good people. We actually, we're, we're in a world today, because employees can choose where they work, they can you know, come and interview 15 bosses in one day and just chick, like, pick the company and choose at the end, because of that, culture is going to be the thing that attracts them and keeps them in a business. Now, you're not going to keep every great team member forever. That's just the facts. But you can create a culture that rewards people coming to work every day, where they get to have a good time. It's not all just pressuring KPIs and numbers, which you need, but it can't be all that. And so, so when I look at this culture, here's the good news. It doesn't matter what the economy does tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens with interest rates. It doesn't matter what happens with products and services. It doesn't matter how many complaints you get on your Google reviews. It doesn't matter any of those things that are not controllable by you. There's one thing that's 100% controllable by you, and that's the culture. You get to choose what the culture is in the business. You get to choose that everybody sticks to it. You get to choose what happens to the people that don't live up to it. You get to choose what happens when over time it starts to decay. It's 100% controllable by you, this culture in the business. So that's really good news. But I think it's the variable. You know, a poor culture will obviously repel good people. An average culture, they may be attracted, but they won't stay. A great culture attracts good people, and then they stick around, and then they help you build a great business. So what is this culture? You know, there's lots of MBAs and business books that'll help you with this kind of thing, and there's probably a lot of wisdom in all of them. I guess from my point of view as a kingdom entrepreneur, you know, when, when I signed up to be a child of God, I signed up to being part of bringing heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For me, that's bringing heaven into the business world, into my business, right? I'm also doing it in my home, right? And my friends groups and, and things like that. But I'm also doing it in my business. And so, so I first have to know what the culture is of heaven to then be able to bring it to the business. And this is not designed, I'm not saying all of this because, you know, as a way to beat you for your shortcomings. We all have shortcomings, right? 
uh, it's just basically a bit of a framework for you to see, okay, well, here's some areas that I could improve in, in terms of me being the leader and setting the culture of my business. Oh, hey, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Listen, I'm just here training a group here in this room, but I need you to subscribe to my channel. Guys, do you think they should subscribe to the channel? Guys, please, subscribe. Here's a good framework for the kind of culture that you can have in your business that will attract and keep great people. You would have heard of it, it goes like this. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast. It's not arrogant, it doesn't insist on its own way, right? And it's not resentful. You would have known that, right, Corinthians. And I look at that and I go, well, it's a perfect blueprint because when it comes to attracting people, there's going to be times when you have to be patient, times when you have to be kind, times when you can't afford to let envy get inside your heart, times when you want to boast, but you're not allowed to because it's not about you, times when you want to be arrogant, but you actually have to keep that in check. There's times when you're going to want to insist it all being your own way and you've got to keep that in check. And there's times when you're going to be, want to be resentful, right, when it comes to recruiting and, and you've got to be able to check that. So that's one framework that helps me go, okay, if, I need to live out that culture because then that culture will be mapped around me in the business. Here's another one that, that you would also know. And it's the fruit of the Spirit, which is actually love, joy, peace, forbearance, or, or, or restraint, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and a couple of others. And there's times that you're going to have to be like that too when you attract and retain staff. There's going to be times when it's when love is the highest call, right? And, and it may go and fly in the face of all your common sense, but you just choose love over everything else. I mean, that's, that's pretty common. It's how it plays out that might be a little bit weird. You know, like restraint and forbearance. There's gonna become a time when you, you kind of wanna shoot from the hip and you're frustrated and you're angry, but, but fruit of the spirit is forbearance. You know, gentleness, kindness, having self-control. You, you can then go and have all these other corporate cultures around excellence and professionalism and go on the extra mile, and they're great. They're, you know, they're definitely ones that you would publish as being part of your team culture. But actually, I think as a kingdom entrepreneur, if those two frameworks, the fruit of the spirit and, and, and what is love, don't come through you from heaven to earth, then I think you're already gonna be in trouble. And so when I say all of those things, here's the challenge. Some people look at that and they go, yeah, but I've tried those things and people walk all over me, right? Well. You know, you can take the concept of gentleness and it could play out in 30 different ways. There, there's definitely a way to be gentle and there's a way not to be gentle, right? In terms of uh, attracting and retaining the best staff, right? But, but you've actually got to take the time to let this stuff get inside of you because if it's not inside of you, it can't come out of you, right? And if it can't come out of you, then it won't be attractive. I have found, right, as somebody who's done business for 20 years now, 20 straight years of being in business, right? You know, I've tried the different styles of leadership in terms of creating a culture. And the one that draws the best out of people and keeps people the longest is the one that is skewed towards kindness, gentleness, you know, self-control, restraint, and those sort of things, right? When you decide to go the other way and you're real harsh and you're real hard on people, and there's a place for that. But if that's your, you know, default, um, I guess, you know, position, you won't attract and you won't keep the best talent, all right? I'm telling you that. And if we look at who you're hiring now, you've got baby boomers who are exiting the workforce, you've got a couple of generations, you've got millennials who are kind of in the middle and you've got Gen Z coming right behind them. 
if you if you try and act anything other than these things with millennials and Gen Z, you just won't get them. You won't get them and they won't stay. This is the culture that they're attracted to. And for all the right and wrong reasons, one, they got a trophy for coming sixth. That's not great. So, that, so there's a little bit of entitlement. But at the same time, they come with a whole bunch of skills that I absolutely love. In fact, I want to employ as many millennials as I possibly can. And the Gen Zs out there who are about to you know, enter the workforce, I want them to work for me. I find them to be a phenomenal age group of people. Phenomenal. I love them. You know, and I understand that some of the parents get upset with them because they can't clean their room. Listen, I don't want them to clean their room. I want them to join my business and help our clients scale up their marketing and all the things that we do, right? That, that's, so I find that that's where they are at their best. You get them on a vision that, you know, of doing something better than yourself and changing culture, and, and they work incredibly hard, I find. So by the way, if you, uh, if you have a passion for marketing and you're on the Gold Coast, I'd love to talk to you about coming to join our firm, right? Because we have a great culture. And, uh, and if you're not in those areas, but you know somebody it is, let them know. They can come and work for me. They've got to love marketing, right? And, uh, and they've got to just be these incredibly passionate people. They're going to fit in incredibly well here. So we've got those two frameworks. Ultimately, though, and this is a different way of looking at it, I think they make up part of your brand. And, and so when I say brand, I don't mean your marketing brand, but actually your team culture produces a brand. Your team, past and present and future, are already out talking to each other. You have a reputation in the marketplace as an employer. And if it's like you're really harsh on people and you don't pay particularly well and you don't give anybody a chance, right, and you gossip about them behind their back, or if it's you know, you're a complete walkover, right? You, you know, you, you just capitulate every time they ask for something. You never say no. Like that brand is already out there. And so you actually could be up against that brand when it comes to hiring today, right? You know, if people are talking around town saying, yeah, I want to work for Bob, but, you know, Bob, but Bob just pays really badly because he doesn't care, right? Well, then, then you're really going to struggle to attract talent. If it's like, now, Bob pays okay, and the people there are okay, but there's just so much pressure, and, and Bob flies off the handle every five seconds. That will be the brand that's in the marketplace. And if that's what it is, don't beat yourself up. Let's go through a process of changing it, but it's going to take being intentional and a bit of time to change what people are saying about you as an employer before people start to go, now, Bob's a great place to work. He pays well. He looks after you. He cares about you. You're part of a bigger picture. All the things that matter, Okay. Once you start to build that brand in the marketplace, then actually the best talent finds you and it makes life a whole lot easier. But that could take, that could take, you know, one, two, three years, right, to start to change that dialogue in the marketplace before people want to come and find you. So when it comes to developing, so we started up heaven, bringing heaven to earth. I want to come down a little bit now and go, okay, the kind of leadership styles that are going to set you up to win, right, the kind of leadership that's going to mean that you create such a wonderful culture that the best talent want to work for you and stay for you. Um, there's kind of like three groups that I see people in, right? This is when we can start to get really practical. And, and you'll find yourself in one of these three groups, probably one of two groups. And, the, you know, I, I'm saying this based on my own experience as a leader over those 20 odd years, but also, you know, the thousands of business owners that I've helped and walked with over this time and seen what works for them and what doesn't. Here's one group. There's this one group of leader that build a culture of like my way or the highway, right? I'm the boss around here, all right? 
and I'm I'm the one that pays your wages. So do as I say, right? And and you know, and I don't want to hear anything out of you. And, and stop complaining, you entitled group of people. And you know, and I just need you to be a profit center to hit your KPIs, right? You know, otherwise I'm cranky. That's one style of leadership. And as I say that, some of you are probably auditing yourself, going, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's me sometimes, and some of you are even saying that's me on the regular. Well, here's the challenge. That's the brand that goes out into the marketplace, and before you know it, no one wants to come and work for you. Then you can be running ads, or you like to get talent, but you won't attract them. Or if you do attract them, it's people that are desperate, and they're just going to use you as a stepping stone to get a job somewhere else. So there's that whole my way or the highway boss. Now, here's the cool thing. If this was 1947, you could get away with doing that because it was after the war and everyone had been on rations and no one cared what their job was or how bad their boss was. It was the only way to survive. And so, you know, the leadership required at that time was incredibly low, all right? So that's cool. But that doesn't work in 2022, 23. It will not work. I promise you that. So that's one style of leadership that creates a culture. Then there's this other side, right, which is I don't like confrontation. So we had my way or the highway is one extreme. And then there's the other side. I just don't like confrontation. Right? I just don't like confrontation. And I meet people that say that all of the time. It's like, okay, great, that's fine. But what that probably means, right, is you're going to have people that lie to you and, you know, and, and you, you can't discern it because for whatever reason you see everybody as lovely all of the time, right? So you can't even discern the wrong people coming in. And then when they get in, you don't want to hold them to KPIs because it freaks you out to have to say, hey, we are, you committed to five things a week and you're only doing four and that's not enough. And so, so, you know, so you're not prepared to hold people accountable. And then of course, that means that you keep them for far too long, right? Because you don't want to say you're fired, right? And so, and so all that happens is your business goes nowhere, but you end up with a ton of ulcers because you're so stressed, right? Because you don't have that ability to have the confrontation, okay? And I see a lot of Christians in that camp because they're such nice people with such a soft, kind heart that they actually haven't caught Matthew 10, 16, which is I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. So be as gentle as a dove and as shrewd as a serpent. They haven't learned how to be both. And so they're just like a dove and everything's lovely and kind and fluffy and and, you know, and it's funny because I see those people who they end up keeping staff members that they really shouldn't for far too long. And then they convince themselves that it's ministry, right, to walk with somebody who's ruining your business, right? So that doesn't work either. Okay, so we've got my way or the highway, I'm the boss around here, do it this way, transactional, don't care about relationships. And you've got this other group, right, who are like, no, no, I can't stand confrontation. So I'm incredibly relational to the point where I'll like almost take my business broke so that I don't have to have a harsh word with you, okay? That doesn't work either. Now, there are parts of both that are very attractive, right? The my way or the highway, decisive, prepared to call the shots, doesn't mind a bit of friction when it's called for, that element of that person's wonderful. Going to the other side where you don't like confrontation, that kindness, journeying with people, like being able to hear that there's something going on in their world and having compassion for it, that's wonderful. So I wonder what it would look like to actually mold the two best parts into one style of leadership that will attract and retain the best people. Well, here's what I call it. So my way or the highway doesn't work. I can't stand confrontation, doesn't work. Here's the middle ground from my point of view. 
Process over perfection. Process over perfection. Process over perfection, meaning that I'm not trying, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm hiring and attracting talent, I'm not trying to hit it out of, hit a home run and hit it out of the park every single time with every single hire, and then I take it personally when I don't. Because you can't win that game. I want to create a process that I can put people through, and the process will find out if they are the right fit for my company or not. So then it's not like I'm not that invested that I take it really personally and get upset when it doesn't work. My process allows me to find out who should stay on the bus and who should get off. Process, not perfection. Because with process, right, you'll have enough of the decisiveness to show you the information to make the calls if they're staying or they're going. But you'll also have enough compassion because you can draw the best out of them through your process that they tell you the truth, right? And then, of course, with the truth, you can set them up to win. Whether that's with you or not with you, you can set them up to win. So it's this nice molding of those two areas. It's process over perfection. So let's get to the process because I want to I wanna cut to some actual tactics that are going to help you. We started off at bringing heaven to earth, culture, your own leadership. Right now, we're looking at the leadership style that attracts and retains the best talent. But let's look at the process that I think you're going to need. This is what, if you want to hire employees for your business, you do not want to skip any of these steps. All right, so I'm going to run through these very quickly and give you just a few hacks on each of them as I go. So the first thing you're going to have to do if you want to attract and retain the best talent and set up candidates to win so that you can find out exactly what you need, then before you ever do anything else, you should write a position description. You should know exactly what this hire is going to do. You know, and, and, and to me, like it doesn't need to be a three-page document. It can be. It's wonderful if it is, because the more handles you've got on it, the easier it'll be to find the right person. But I just mean literally, like, what is this role and what will they be doing to contribute to the business? Like just, if you can just know that, then, then that's where it starts. Most people will, if they do a position description, will just cut and paste the last one and give it to them when it's too late, really. Before you ever start, you should know what is this role that I'm hiring for. And then once you've got a position description, then you write your ad. Now with the ad, it's really interesting. I'm running ads right now, right? Why? Because I want to attract more talent. Right. You know, like literally talent for me is the reason why we have to scale too slow. Like like we could be scaling so much faster. Right. It, 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 talent is the game. And I'm sure for those of you who are looking to scale, it's probably the same for you as well. Talent is the big bottleneck. So I've got ads running, but there are some things in your ads that really need to be there. You do have to give over a little bit to the entitlement that you're probably experiencing these days. I would love to say that you don't have to, but you do. You do have to pay more than you're comfortable. You do have to give them some flexibility, right? You do have to go over and above. You do have to find all the other things that, are, like, that will attract the people and do them anyway. If you don't do everything and put your best foot forward, you won't find the talent in this market. And this is going to last you know, one to two years minimum, right? So, so you, have to, you have to give all of the things that everybody's offering in the marketplace if you want to attract the best talent now. The other thing you really need to be clear about in your ad is you need to be clear on your culture, this great culture that is attracting and keeping the best talent. 
and not just say we've got a great culture. You need to find ways to explain, like in your job ad, an entire section of your ad today should be around the culture and, and giving people practical examples of why your culture is incredibly good. If you miss that out, you'll probably lose because more and more businesses are doing that where they're actually saying, you know, our culture is amazing, but here's why it's amazing and here's how it plays out that makes it amazing. You actually need to take a fair chunk of your ad now and talk about the environment that people are going to come to. You know, and it's funny because, you know, I, I, I'm recruiting, like I said, and have been all year because we're adding a lot of people. The number one question I get from candidates is tell me about your culture. Number one question I get from candidates is tell me about that they're interviewing me around the kind of culture that they would possibly be working in. So you need to explain it here to make it attractive. All right, when it comes to interviews, I would say um, add steps, but shorten time, okay? Um, in fact, just this morning, I read a report from one of the ma four major consulting firms that said they now have to start making offers within 48 hours of a candidate inquiring. So when it wasn't like this, so pre-COVID, right? It wasn't, there, there weren't, you know, there wasn't a situation where employees could pick from 10 jobs, right? It was a little bit like it, but nowhere near as, as intense. So we would say, right, take, you know, seven to 14 days to put yourself through an, a recruitment process. And actually we would say add steps, which we're still gonna do, but now you've got to do all of that in a much shorter period of time because they'll just jump somewhere else, right? People are making decisions on offers so quick now that if you do your standard slow reply to people, they're gone. Okay, and you will miss the best talent. So with interviews, right, when I say add steps, I mean actually add touch points through the interview, add checking, even add interviews, but you've got to do it in a much shorter period of time. So if you were 10 days, you've got to get it down to three or four. The first thing, I'm a really big fan these days of the quick 10 minute Zoom. So you get a candidate and you like them and you go, great, can we jump on Zoom this afternoon or tomorrow morning? I just want to grab 10 minutes with you. And that's where you can quickly vet them. Before, before bringing them in the office and all that jazz and then finding out you don't like them, grab them 10 minutes and you're finding out are they coherent, are they passionate, have they got some sort of energy, those sort of things. A quick 10 minute Zoom. Then you bring them to a formal interview and a formal interview could still be one or two days later but it's a longer form physically. Like If you're building a office-based team then you'll want to bring them to the office. If you're building remote then obviously you don't have to do that. But you know, like you, you get them in that interview and that's where you're really trying to find out, you know, like have they got the skills, can they do the job, those kind of things. And I still wouldn't employ them off the back of that. I would literally be like, hey, listen, I've really enjoyed this interview with you today. I've got one more step. I wanna take you for lunch, right? And you always wanna try and have food in there if you can. Doesn't work if you're doing remote, but you can do a Zoom where you Uber some food to them and then you both have food and you just shoot the breeze. So you can still do it over, over remote, but I would, I, would, I would make sure that I have coffee or lunch with every hire because that, because remember, we've checked they're coherent, we've checked their skill set, and now we're going to check them as a person, check if we want them. Are they, are they going to be a good fit to my culture now? And, and there's no better way to do that than over food, right? You get a burger together or something, and, um, and, and they will literally open up about who they are, and, and you'll find out a heap of stuff that you never would have found out in a formal interview because it's a little bit out there. And then you might make an offer and so forth, right? So I'm gonna to say to you, add steps in your interview, but now we've gotta chunk that time down and be far more urgent in our letter of offers to people. If they accept the job, then you've gotta have an induction process. And so, you know, th this is not, none of this is difficult, but most people don't do it. And then, because their process lets them down. 
an induction process is three sheets of paper, and you can obviously use a digital version if you want. Physical paper is really good because it's it's tangible and people feel like they're kind of being successful, but you can do a you know a ClickUp or a or a Monday.com or those kind of things. We've tried all the tools. <clears throat> um, but basically, three sheets of paper, and the first paper is this is what you need to have learnt by the end of day one. The second sheet of paper is this is what you need to have learnt by the end of week one. And the third sheet of paper is this is what you need to have learnt by the end of month one. And then all the tasks are listed, little checkbox, they tick them, and then they sign it off at the end of the day. So the end of day one, they've gone through everything they need to learn, inducted into the, the first day's tasks. They initial it, you photocopy it, give them a copy, put a copy in their employee file, and then you're away, right? You do that for the day, the week, the month, and now you've inducted them. And I would say to you, like, and you might have even heard me say this before, but to be unclear is to be unkind. When you've got a new person coming in, it can be an absolute whirlwind. And no one's no one's perfect at this, but the more you can be clear, the more you can, you know, clearly say how you're going to be measured, what the key performance indicators are, what's expected of you, right? You know, what does success look like for you in this role? The clearer you can be on those things, the clearer you can be in your training of the new employee right, the more you are setting them up to win, right, that you give them tracks to run on, they'll run on those tracks. And, and it's really interesting in terms of attracting and retaining talent, because if you're really, really clear on what success looks like, it makes it really easy for them to be successful. And it also makes it really easy to see if they're not, right, because if they're not going to do the way you want it to do, like you've got the metrics, the, the delivery, the training, like the tracks to run on, if they go over here, it's real quick to work out that they are not the right people. So when it comes to inductions, day, like day one, week one, month one. Then it comes to reviews. You've got to check in with these people regularly, right? And I know that this is incredibly difficult. We're all really, really busy. It can be as li like end of day one of a new person. You can just walk up to them. How are you going? How was your first day? Like anything you want to let me know? Like any questions, any thoughts, concerns? Day one, end of the week. Hey, just checking in with you. You've been, a, been with us a week. Like, how's it, at the end of the month, you probably bring them to a bit of a formal sit down. Hey, you've been with us a month now. Just want you know, like, like you know, anything I can do for you? Anything you want to feedback to me? And do it do it at the end of a quarter, and then do it every six months from then on in. Like, great opportunity just to get that feedback loop and show that you really, really care. <clears throat> and then, of course, you're going to find those people that just aren't a good fit. They can't do the job, or they could do the job, and now they're choosing not to do the job or you thought they were a good culture fit, but you've now found out they aren't, you're always gonna have those people. And this is like the locking nut. This is, this is the strategy to end up with the greatest team. See, uh, uh, the mistake most people make in small business, and maybe even big business, but you know, like small to medium enterprises up to 250 million in revenue, so that's most of you guys. The biggest mistake people make is that they hang on to people for too long the ones that aren't going to work. And so I would say to you that the greatest teams in the world are not the greatest teams because they hired the greatest teams. The greatest teams in the world are the greatest teams because they fired the ones that weren't a good fit. You, that, that's why it's process over perfection, because my process makes sure that the bad ones don't stick around and the good ones do. It's the process that weeds out the ones that can step up and the ones that can't, right? Which is why now I can just be, I can be kind and empathetic and have that great culture and my process weeds them out. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not the people you hire that ruin your business. It's the people you fail to fire that ruin your business. 
It's the people you know you should let go, but you don't. And for whatever reason, you hang on to them. You're being financially manipulated. You're being generally manipulated. You're scared about not being able to get somebody else. You're worried about what Auntie Bethel's going to think if you let go of Shaniqua on church on Sunday because you're employed from church instead of having a process. All those things stop you from doing it properly, right? Whereas your process is like, put them in, set them up to win, and they either vote themselves off the island or they end up being a great candidate and they stay. So then average to awesome is the way that I would recommend hiring, uh, sorry, firing. And it's not the only way. Like, like, like you can literally, when you get people that you absolutely know that it was a shocking hire, uh, you should just go straight to them and say, hey, listen, it's, we're not a good fit and, and we're done, right? You don't, because this strategy is going to give people a little bit of extra time to step up because I find that that's very gracious. And I have had people that when they catch the magnitude of you need to step up, otherwise you're going to get fired, step up a little bit. Most don't. Um, but there are times when you just have people that are terrible fit and you just need to fire them on the spot and there's no more you can do. You're going to have those. I've had those. You're going to have those. But then you get some people who are like, they're kind of on the edge. They're kind of, they kind of fit the culture, but they can't do the job. Or they can do the job and they're not terrible with the culture, but you know, whatever. This is where we have a process called average to awesome. And basically, it's a four-week process. So at the start, you sit down with the team member. This is the process that makes sure that they, they stay or go. At the end of this process, you go, okay, you're currently average, average in performance, average in you know, attitude, average in culture, fit, whatever. Like you're currently average and you need to be able to explain what that looks like. But I want to get you to awesome and you need to be able to quantify awesome. And then between average to awesome, there's four weeks, three milestones, right? So basically you want to draw out, you're currently here, I want to get you to here. And each week between here and here, we're going to do a check-in. We're going to do a check-in at the end of week one, and I need to see this level of improvement. We're going to see a check-in at week two, and I want to see this level of improvement. Week three, this level, and week four, this level. So basically, you, you, you get them to document all of that so that you're all on the same page and there's no ambiguity, and you can't soften this up and try and placate them because they won't catch the gravity of it, which means they won't step up because they don't think their job's on the line. And you document it all, and then you say, right, let's catch up on Friday, a week later or whatever. And then at the end of week one, if, if they've really stepped up, it's like you're doing a really good job on this Average to Awesome program, and I'm proud of you, and here's a high five, and I think this is going to be great for you. Or they get to the end of week one, and they've done just enough, okay, well, week two, or they just didn't even make any effort by the end of week one, and now you were expecting better performance, and you haven't got it, right? So then but by the end of week two of having those meetings that say, hey, listen, you're supposed to be here and you're nowhere near and you're not even trying, they will most likely quit before the next meeting because they won't want to go and you know, face the music that they're doing a bad job. <clears throat> or you get to the end of four weeks and you say, hey, listen, we had the plan. You didn't do it. You haven't put anywhere near enough effort. You haven't stepped up. And so, of course, we're going to let you go. And then you let them go. Now, you'll, there'll be, there will still be people that play up out of the back of that system and, 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 and cause a scene, but you've, you've got a documented, proven process where you have set them up to win as best as you possibly can, right? So you've done your bit. But what I find is instead of, if we go back to the beginning, instead of actually trying to like pick a perfect system of like, oh, I'm going to get the best one that the Lord brings I just don't see that that's a scalable strategy. Sure, the Lord brings great people and sometimes out of nowhere and all this effort over here, you don't find any great candidates and then a brilliant, like that happens because it's supernatural and he's good and he wants you to win. 
but you're still gonna do your bit incredibly well and incredibly professional. And just trying to nail it with 100% success rate is just gonna to put too much pressure on you and you're gonna be super upset and, and you know disengaged when you realize that some people are just there to ruin your business, talk smack about you, rip you off, steal from you, lie, cheat, and leave. Like there's those people out there, right? And, and so, and so my process means that I'm not chasing perfection. My process means that it's a little bit less emotive in it. And it means that out of the back of this, by keeping short accounts all the way through here, I end up with the people that really want to be here, really want to matter, really want to build something great. And the ones that aren't, they either vote themselves off the island because the standard's up here and they can't live here, or we give them uh, enough space for them to step up or to step off. And they will do either of those. All right, so here's the thing. It's process, not perfection, but it comes down to the culture that you're building inside your business. So one of the greatest things you can do as a result of watching all of this is audit your culture. Audit it. What, like, like how can you make it better? How can more of the fragrance of heaven, you don't have to label everything Jesus said, thus saith the Lord, it doesn't have to be that. But that culture needs to come from heaven through you and play out into the business world, right? Play out with your staff, your team, your suppliers, your contractors, and all those kind of things. And you will find that that will build such a reputation, such a brand in the marketplace that the best talent in the future will want to come and find you, work for you, and help you achieve your company vision. All right, what I want you to do now is I want you to go into the comments section below here and I want you to put in there, what was the top one thing that jumped out to you? You probably know that I do this on a, on a weekly episode, right? To do this, I want to engage with you because I'm the one in the comments engaging with you. That's not my team. It's not outsourced. It's me. I love those three-second interactions that I get to have with you in the comments. So please, what was the number one thing that dropped out to you on this episode? Put it in the comments and I will engage with you there. Hey, did you know, coming up, we have the Kingdom Business Summit. This is our two-and-a-half-day conference that we run once a year. And this particular year, you can turn up in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia for two and a half days, or you can join the live stream. I've got the greatest speakers. It's an absolute festival. We're having dinner, prophetic ministry, right? It, it's going to be like basically the biggest one we've ever done where I fully invest in every single delegate, right? So make sure that you are enrolled. Go to kingdombusiness.global. All right, bless you. See you soon.